At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Excited to be with you on this Wednesday, two days after the 4th of July. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Senator Tommy Tuberville. In fact, in a matter of moments, bottom of the hour, Rich Lowry, editor of National Review. Uh, so he'll be with us putting everything in perspective, following some major stories. There's like five major stories to go over uh, today, as well as look at the political climate that's taking place and the war that never goes away. So before we get to the senator, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Freedom is under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California. Are they kidding? Uh, Gavin Newsom targeting Floridians to go to California the 2024 preview. Newsom decides if you if you can't outpoll him, attack him. That explains his decision to attack America's most successful governor in the nation's fastest growing state, Ron DeSantis in Florida. What he did and what he said and the ads that are running inside Florida. And by the way, is that really a 2024 preview? Number two. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. I'm certainly holding oil companies responsible for their choice not to produce. Really? That's nice. Totally inaccurate. Biden fights, flails, and fails. As economic stress grows and billionaires take aim, his polls plummet. And for those who think Roe v. Wade would reinvigorate his party, surveys tell a different story. Number one. A family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. Isn't that nice? Uh, Yet he still got guns. Highland Park Parade Massacre. Police had the warning signs and reasons to stop him. The gun store owner should never have been allowed to arm him. With dead and wounded everywhere in this upscale town, all they could talk about is more gun laws. That's a pathetic and pure political response. And let me bring in Senator Tommy Tuberville, the longtime football coach uh, turned Alabama senator, uh, who is also with the Armed Services Committee. Uh, Senator, I'm sure everybody's horrified by what happened in uh, Highland Park. But the more we learn about this assailant, the more we know this was totally preventable. This is the last guy that should have had a gun. Oh, no doubt, Brian. It's just it just shows you more and more about how people are out of touch, especially the Democrats, with what's going on in this country. As you said, I was a football coach for a long time, for 40-something years. I dealt with young people, and I've seen the decline of our young people in terms of being able to handle society, especially with all the social media, uh, all the things going on, the drugs. And, and, you know, it's just a it's just a new problem every day. But 
you know, it's the Democrats, they, they try to make excuses for everything, but it's the great transition, Brian. They're, they're trying to transition this country into something else as, as they destroy our young people. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I do want I do want people like you, powerful people like you, to ask the questions. What type of mood altering drugs these kids might have been on, let alone marijuana, which is now acceptable. I just think it's worth the question. Prozac, lithium, whatever. If that adds to it, I feel depressed. Well, we'll prescribe this to you. We know about the after effects. But you spread up football, and it turns out a lot of times coaches get to know what's going on in a family even if you don't coach at the highest level, and I know you have to work your way up where you ended up. The parents of the accused Highland Park Illinois shooter, according to their football coach, was oh he was always the last kid to be picked up in the after-school sports program. Uh, I quote from the coach, I remember the parents more than him because they were kind of a problem. There was always a lot of, there wasn't a lot of love in that family. They were always the last to pick up. The mom always had an issue as if the kids were a nuisance. I mean, bad parents aren't the reason to kill people, but that is where it starts. Well, there's no doubt. The teenage years are the years that are most important to our young people, and uh, they're not having teenage years anymore. It's just a total um, uh, zero of what what they can get, moral values, the leadership, the the guidance. You know, as a coach, I used to bring players in – Every year, new new players, 20, 25, 30, and I'd set them down, go over all these things. And uh, one of the things I'd always go over would be, you know, are you on insulin? Uh, you know, doctors are now, or we're, I mean, new dad, we're going to take care of you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the last 10 years, Brian, I noticed a huge increase in a lot of these kids now taking Redlin, Adderall, uh, attention deficit drugs. And that leads to other things. And we're, we're using drugs to parent now. Uh, we're, we're not. We don't have parents. You know, half the kids in this country have one or no parent. It's just not minorities. Uh, it, it's also the majority. So uh, we got a huge problem. We better get handle a handle on our young people uh, from the ages of four or five all the way up to sixteen, seventeen, because you're seeing what's happening. It's a total deterioration of the ethics, and the moral values of our kids. They, they don't know. They don't have any guidance. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, I just think you guys just passed bipartisan legislation uh, that just talked about having a chance to look back at an 18-year-old's background to see if there were some issues when he was in 11th grade. So when he becomes a 12th grader, he doesn't become a mass murderer that might have been preventable. This guy at 18 years old had cops called to the house twice, from one, to cave his own life, and number two, to, he threatened his entire family. The cops leave, take all the knives with them, but they don't seemingly write up an incident report. And evidently that doesn't get to a background check. So the gun store owner sees a 21-year-old in front of him and says, okay, I don't see anything in your background. Meanwhile, we know there's something in his background. So you have to execute the laws you actually wrote up. Exactly. And and, and you can just tell just over the, the last two shootings that we've that's been involved, uh, there's going to have to be some new rules and regulations set forth for uh, our law enforcement, and you know, I'm all behind our law enforcement. Uh, you know, and they're way underfunded, and and of course, we've got the crazy Democrats out there right now trying to just defund them. But uh, there's got to be some new regulations because these kids are becoming uh, so-called uh, adults at a younger age, and we've got to know what they've done, how they've done it. It's got to go on a record. Uh, you know, we've got all these computers, databases now that we can we can put all the information in. And uh, this could have been stopped. I mean, this, as you just said, this this last shooting could have been stopped. To 
simple fact that he couldn't have got a gun, or the last two couldn't have got a gun. And we, we had the opportunity to have the have have really the law enforcement do their job in terms of the ability to make a decision, put it on a, on a database, and be able to have that information down the road when they do try to buy a gun. Senator, we had a big agenda, so I'll get to the next thing. I think you, it's great that you're doing. You're teaming with Senator Marshall to introduce a bill to save clean and safe nuclear power. This word is that the EU is now declaring nuclear power and natural gas green, and it should be green, and it is safe. But listen to what Pete Buttigieg says is to blame for the high oil and gas prices. Cut 15. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. Uh, We've seen them out there saying, you know, they're not going to increase production. And uh, why would they when they're this profitable? It's why the president has proposed a use it or lose it policy. You're sitting on these permits or leases, and you're not producing in a are way that's going to lower them? prices. Are you blaming them? Are you blaming the oil companies for this? Are you blaming the oil companies for this? It's frustrating to see. Well, I, I'm certainly holding oil companies uh, responsible for their choice not to produce. Mr. Uh, Senator, do you think the secretary is on to something? They are happy. Oil and gas companies are happy. This guy's way out of his league, Brian. I, you know, I, I've sat through the last year of, of nominations of, of Joe Biden's people that he's put in the office. I mean, you put, wouldn't put some of these people as dog catcher. I mean, it's embarrassing. Uh, th- this guy running our transportation uh, department and, and working with energy, it's, uh, it's you know, is this the best we got? If this is the best we got, we are in trouble. But uh, uh, you can't transition a country's energy Unless you have a plan, there is zero plan. As you talked earlier, uh, nuclear has got to be one of the the options that we go to, not just in the near future, but for the long term. And you know, if we don't do this, we're not going to be able to survive as a country or as as a world. I mean, it's just not going to happen. This guy wants to live. The president wants to live on wind. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, Senator, you're also doing something else that's really important, and that is commemorating 50 years since Title IX got into place. What is the impact, and how is it under assault today? Well, Title IX is one of the few things the federal government's gotten right in the last 50 years. It gave equal rights to women, and the women's uh, rights uh, and activists really stood up for it. It worked. Uh, I've seen in athletics how much how, how far women's athletics come. Brian, 50 years ago, 3% of the girls in high school played high school sports. Now it's over 50%. You have scholarships, you have facilities, you have you, you have things that are built through women that give them the opportunity. I've talked to all the senators on the floor, what, 10, 15 of uh, the women on the floor, and they all played sports. And it gave them the opportunity to, to open up and be somebody that possibly they couldn't have been. But now uh, Joe Biden wants to change the definition of sex. Uh, in Title IX to include gender identity. He wants transgender boys to be able to play in women's sports, bottom line. And uh, that's going to destroy it. But where are the women's activists that talked and screamed and yelled 50 years ago today to save women's sports? They're not out there. They're out there wondering about, you know, uh, anything else that they could get involved in to help bring this country to a different transition. But uh, women's sports has been a great uh, success, and we need to keep it that way, but Joe Biden is bound to determine to destroy it. The, uh, the thing that really bothers me is that women, this whole Me Too movement empowers women, I thought. So where are the women outraged that, that your daughter or your wife or your niece 
is going to be playing against guys that declare that they're women uh, overnight or that they're going through some transition. That should not even be an issue. But women should be standing up for themselves. But they seem miraculously quiet. Brian, last in the last few years, young boys and older boys have won 22 championships in women's sports. Uh, so when that happened, I called up the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act on the Senate floor to try to stop this. If, if you allow boys to play in women's sports at a, at a college or high school level, you lose your funding. I mean, this is ridiculous in terms of being able to compete and give young girls an opportunity to, to be somebody that they, they wouldn't be if they weren't in sports. So uh, it's just another part of the great transition of Joe Biden, uh, whether it's border, energy, uh, foreign relations, our education. Uh, it's a disaster. It's going to continue to be a disaster. And uh, we've got four or five more months. And, Brian, I'm going to tell you that I've, I've traveled five states in the last week. I've been in restaurants. I've been in grocery stores. Uh, I keep seeing people say, oh, inflation's 8.5%, 9%. Inflation's 25 30%, uh, maybe even more. People cannot afford this. And uh, we better open our eyes to this. But Joe Biden had put a tank of gas in his car uh, in his lifetime because he's been a career politician. And now he's listening to other politicians. This is, this is a disaster for our country and the people living in our country. Um, how important would it be to take back the Senate? Uh, what I mean, as you look at Georgia, as you look at New Hampshire, you look at Nevada, holding on to Wisconsin, what is your role there? Well, I'm trying to help as much as we possibly can. It, it, we, we have no choice, Brian. Uh, they're, they're talking like they're going to take more than 50 uh, seats, the Democrats, and they're going to do a total transition of the filibuster. They're going to change the, change this country as we know it. It is. I mean, this can't happen. If it happens, it's over. By the country that you and I and all these other people, citizens, had the opportunity to grow up in the greatest country on the face of the earth ever uh, will change. It will change into something the Democrats want to control. They want a one-party system. They want a uh, socialist, big government socialism. We're already there. Uh, we better start changing. Even some of our, my Republican colleagues need to wake up and smell the roses of quit spending money we don't have because it is putting us in a, in a, a death march uh, towards something that we're not going to want or do we recognize in this country. All right, Senator, thanks so much. Senator Tommy Tuberville going to bat for women's sports. Get this, he wants women to play against and with women. Uh, and we're talking about the economy. Uh, let's get smart. Uh, let's, if you want to go clean, go nuclear or go natural gas and work our way towards uh, all fossil fuels. But we're not there yet. Senator, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back with your calls in just a moment. And what do you think about this mass-up? Governor Gavin Newsom taking on Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. So far, the Floridian government, kind of quiet. Why? Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Isn't that nice? Uh, He's pretending to be red, white, and blue. Gavin Newsom doing something savvy, getting attention off his state of California with all its natural resources and natural beauty. They have run it into the ground, letting hopelessness run rampant, refusing to rein it in. In fact, inviting them there. When you see the tax dollars, it's a one-party system. The illegal immigrants that are there, the lack of... Uh, identity needed to buy things, live there, ultimately sanctuary city after sanctuary city outside Orange County. So Gavin Newsom, who almost was recalled last year, this year, wants everybody to know that he's running for president. He won't run if Biden runs, but clearly Biden is a long shot to run for another four years. So what do you do? You go after the most popular Republican governor and the most successful governor in the country. If you are Governor DeSantis, do you punch down to Gavin Newsom, who does not have, I don't think, a large national profile and certainly a great report card? Kat Kamek, who's an outstanding public official in Congress, whose husband is a first responder, said this about that ad running in Florida, which seems like a good strategic move, but what a waste of money. Cut 23. Over 60,000 Californians have gotten their Florida driver's licenses in the last three years. In Florida, we're about freedom and faith and family. And in California, it looks like high taxes, crack pipe distribution centers, homeless Mm. tent cities, and apps that you can download in order to report feces on the sidewalk. If he seriously thinks that that is going to work, it's just reflective in his policies. They're 20th in the nation in education. We're number three. We have some of the lowest unemployment and low taxes in the country. They have some of the highest. This is a clear distinction in what works when it comes to governing a state. Meanwhile, when it comes to a state out of control, George Cascone about to be recalled, I believe, too, because they are petitioning him because he's so soft on crime. He's just an embarrassment to the country. Then if you look at Chesa Bodine, already recalled, what did the governor do to rein in these DAs who won't do their job? Absolutely nothing. Yesterday, 12 officers are hurt after a hostile group started just hurling fireworks at him, glass bottles at him in San Francisco. It's a state totally out of control. It's one that has all the potential in the world. It's always been the destination for so many. It's a place I once lived. What they do have going for them, 117 major businesses have been started since since 2015, which is number one in the country. But Gavin Newsom playing a smart political move. But Governor DeSantis, far and away, much more successful, much more powerful. Let's see who's next. Join us in California. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. When the cost of oil does come down, 
We need the price at the gas stations that they what they charge at the pump to come down as well. For example, in the last two weeks, the price of oil has fallen by more than $10 a barrel. Normally, this reduced the cost of the pump about 25 cents a gallon. Yet, so far, gas stations have only reduced prices by a few cents a gallon. That is a mild version of the president's constant attack from the podium at the press room to his secretary of transportation to Brian Deese, whatever position he pretends to run. Rich Lowry, editor of National Review, took tasks to the president blaming oil and gas companies for the price of oil and gas and joins us now. Rich, it, he says if gas can't, if, if, it, if it's down per barrel, why isn't it down per gallon when we go to pump it? What do you say to him? Well, there are a lot of other inputs, transportation, other things, but the price of the pump is going down. And the idea that the, the gas stations are involved in a vast conspiracy to artificially inflate the prices is crazy. I mean, there are more than 100,000 gas stations in the United States. We all know, you know, go to any busy intersection, you've got four choices to choose from, and they're highly competitive. They're all extremely aware what the price of across the street is because they know if you don't like my price, you just go to Brian's gas station if it's a penny cheaper. So this is a highly competitive business. And these gas stations, it's not as though, you know, there are three big oil companies that own all the gas stations. About half of them are owned by independent owners that just own one station. And they might be branded ExxonMobil or whatever, but it's an independent uh, business. And then there are a lot that are just totally independent and not even branded by the big oil companies. So these are small mom-and-pop businesses. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to you know, criticize ExxonMobil. It's another to criticize a small business run by an immigrant couple trying to get their kids through college. It's, it's insane. And it's just a, another instance of just casting around for, for scapegoats and villains rather than um, – uh, do, doing the things that are actually within his control to try to alleviate the problem. You know how hard it is to drive uh, to drill on on federal land. They said they have opened it up, but it's almost impossible. The environmental regulations he outlined the oil and gas industry outlined ten things the president could do right now to make it easier for them to bring more production to pass. And refining oil is one of the keys. But right yeah. now, there's been incentivized to shut down refineries or convert them to something g- green or natural burning. So, therefore, he's going to Venezuela as the president and is about to beg Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we have this, this wonderful bounty beneath our feet in the form of massive oil and gas reserves, and we should be do, doing everything possible to pump it out and exploit it. That's the, the rational policy. And then if you do it, uh, all things considered, energy prices are going to be lower rather than higher, and that ramifies through the entire economy. And the, the cost of living for working people and the cost of manufacturing and literally everything uh, is an enormous, enormously important input. So he's pursuing a, a, a long-term policy to make traditional energy more expensive to try to fight the climate. And it's, it's biting him badly now, but he's not readjusting. He isn't. And just anybody else, look, he was going to do this by the end of his term, probably. But all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, supply chain issues happen. The war takes place. And next thing you know, gas is so high, so high. We're looking towards electric vehicles so high. We look around. We can't find electric vehicles. We can't find gas powered vehicles because the chips are so uh, scarce. And most of these cars are sitting in lots, unable to be completed because the chips are stuck in Taiwan or China. 
Here's Pete Buttigieg. Instead of addressing the real issue, cut 15. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. Uh, we've seen them out there saying, you know, they're not going to increase production. And uh, why would they when they're this profitable? It's why the president has proposed a use it or lose it policy. You're sitting on these permits or leases and you're not producing in a are way you that's going to lower them? prices. A secretary, are uh, you, you blaming them? So then they go back and forth. A use it and lose it policy. Oh, that's genius. The reason why they can't drill there is because it's cost prohibitive. Part of it is he uh, he's discouraging any investment in fossil fuels. Yeah, so going back to the gas stations, it's actually not a good thing when the price of gas goes up for gas stations. Their their margins actually decline because when the price goes up, you know what? People don't fill up as much. Maybe they don't uh, uh, travel as much. Maybe they cancel their vacation. Maybe they buy an electric car if one's available. So they actually don't want the prices to be high. And the same is true at a certain level for the oil and gas industry. So, again, we've talked about this a lot, Brian. If they just had a switch, the oil and gas industry, to make themselves instantly more profitable by driving up the, the price of crude and refined gas and all the rest of it. Why didn't they do it you know, the last 30 years? Why are they just doing it now? And there, there are big factors at play that are outside of Biden's control, the war and the supply chain disruptions. But the things that are in his control, he's made worse. And the big, the big thing is if you want a company, uh, an industry to invest, you have to, to ensure it that its investment's not going to be destroyed in five to 10 years. And they're promising to destroy this industry. So they, they'd be crazy to invest billions of dollars in long-term projects. So I'm stunned by this story uh, in this, on CNN that talks about after a string of Supreme Court setbacks, Democrats wonder whether Biden's White House is capable of urgency, urgency moment demands, and just talks about how inept they've been, how frustrated the base is. They looked at the Supreme Court. Uh, they look at what's going on with oil and gas. They look at they wanted to stack the Supreme Court. That's not going to work. They want to get rid of the filibuster. That wasn't effective. They wanted to pass Bill Back better. It was ridiculous. It makes no sense. There's no sentiment for it. So they look at failure after failure, and they're beginning to turn on the administration, which I think also we don't have the same. I don't have the same context I had with the previous administration, obviously. But this is interesting. Several officials say this is an excerpt from it. Several officials say Biden's tendency to berate advisors when he's displeased with how a situation is being handled or when he uh, or when events go off poorly has trickled down to the ranks in the West Wing, leaving mid-level aides feeling blamed for failings despite lacking any real ability to influence the building decision making. That's contributed to some of the recent staff departures, according to people on the inside. You know what? He always said, if you treat people disrespectfully, I don't care who you are, you're going to be fired. That's just it. That's terrible management Mm -hmm. when you berate people with who are powerless to fight back. Yeah, well, he's he's never run anything his his whole life bigger than a, a Senate office. Basically, so that's part of the the issue here. But one thing that I, the criticism of Biden, you know, I, I tend to agree with all of them. But one I don't get is from the left um, that that he hasn't been aggressive enough responding to the Dobbs decision. What is he supposed to do? I mean, he can't pack the Supreme Court. He can't eliminate the filibuster. Oh, I agree. All they can do is 
go into states and try to convince people not to restrict abortion democratically. You know, And there's no magic wand. There's no executive action that you can do. That's just the hard work of persuasion and how a democratic republic is supposed to work and an effort that was stymied you know, for 50 years because of a row, which is finally gone. But uh, I, I think th- th- this, is, this is an unfair criticism of, of Biden from the left, in my view. Uh, listen, of course it is. It's impractical. If you don't have 60 votes and you don't have Manchin and you don't have Sinema overturn a filibuster, which will break the institution he used to cherish and worship. He really liked the Senate. Like Ted Kennedy loved the Senate. You know, the senator, you know, the, the senators just love the institution. I respect that. Everyone loves their job. You know, he enjoyed working there. He didn't take it for granted. So he didn't want to blow it up. And now because he didn't blow now he wants to blow it up and he can't blow it up. So he should just say those people on his left, I can't deal with you because you are asking for things that are not workable in the democratic system. And then talk to so-called moderates. They may not exist, Rich. I get it. In Senator Coons, Senator Warner, Senator Tester, Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema. I'm just going to throw in theory that they're moderates and say, what can I get done? And then at the age of 78, if your party doesn't like you, your country doesn't think you did a good job, leave. But why are yeah. you so desperate to win over these 20-somethings who are 30-somethings that are exactly. clueless in how the government works? Yeah, exactly. And um, this is just um, – he's just at sea because he's been pandering to those people all, all his entire presidency. And his campaign, you know, he won the primary campaign in part because he didn't pander to those people. And he's like, you know, there are other Democrats out there besides these vocal folks on Twitter. And then he gets elected, and immediately he's pandering to the vocal folks on Twitter. It, it doesn't make any sense. But this, this is the one interesting way, you know, Dobbs could end up hurting the Democrats. If, if it really turns them off and dispirits them and creates this intramural warfare, it, it's not going to have the, the political effect they, they hoped. You know, it's, it's going to destroy them, not Republicans. Well, I'm sure you've seen this, this Monmouth poll. They asked people, your biggest concern facing your family right now 33% say inflation, 15% say gas prices, 9% say the economy, 6% say bills, 5% say abortion. So yeah, I think and, that and like, they overplay. 9%, 9% yeah. of Democrats. So, so you average it out, you yeah. know, it's 2 or 3% of everyone else. Exactly. And, and by the way, the president's saying uh, that this uh, irresponsible, radical, extremist decision for the Supreme Court, it discounts people, many of which are in his party, that might be pro-life. Many Hispanics are pro-life. Instead of saying surprising, what I find astonishing, what I've evolved in, instead he just labels everybody as if we, mm-hmm. he legalized terrorism. You know, Clarence mm-hmm. Thomas, that would be a good idea for everyone to kill each other. There's, yeah. there's, he doesn't understand, or is he not understand this? There's, there's a, there's people who are on the other side of an issue of him, or is he yeah, just being reckless? Yeah, it's again, he's been captured by the left, and there still is a middle, uh, political middle in this country. And the problem Democrats have on abortion is the Dobbs decision is not popular. Overturning Roe is not popular. I would argue in part because people don't understand Roe, but we can just bracket that for a second. It, the, the, the actual Democratic policy, you know, the, the bill they want to, federal legislation they want to pass is sweepingly radical and is deeply unpopular. So they just can't, especially on cultural stuff, they just can't help going too far. They exist in echo chamber. They have contempt for everyone who doesn't agree with them, and it shows. I want you to hear just an idea, this story that came out of CNN 
which I find astonishing. You add to that, one of their media reporters, Oliver Darcy, said this about which you, you basically on the same page as Rich Lowry, cut 19. I think news organizations need to be a lot more forceful here, Brian, in calling out the president when he misleads the public like this. We know gas station owners aren't really the ones uh, running away to the bank when gas prices go up. Um, there have been stories in the past about how uh, low the margin of profit is for gas station owners on the price of fuel. They make their money usually at the convenience stores. Um, but there hasn't been a really aggressive pushback from the president from news organizations. I think um, that needs to change. Really? Aggressive pushback from <laughs> CNN to Joe Biden? Well, there's only one Peter Ducey, right? And, and, he, and he's not available. But, uh, you know, yeah. everyone else could sound more like him, but they, they tend not to. And certainly it's not reflected in the coverage. If Trump were saying something that uh, – and we do this a lot, but it's, it's a completely true and legitimate point that's endlessly relevant. If Trump were saying something that's so false – that's just, just there's no factual basis whatsoever. You know, the Chiron on CNN and, and other places would be he, he lies. You know, he's lying about gas stations. But we, we don't hear that about Biden. Yeah. I, lastly, what about Gavin Newsom's tactical decision to tackle to go after Ron DeSantis in Florida and to get a account on Truth Social, Donald Trump's version of Twitter? What's he up to? I think he wants to run for president, clearly. I think it's a sign of how prominent, obviously, Ron DeSantis is, that he wants to get some reflected glory by attacking him and attacking him on, on cultural issues. But I think you know everyone senses the weakness of Biden, the, the, the likelihood he's not going to be able to run again, and then the incredible weakness of Kamala Harris. And this is, this is early jockeying. And I'd have to say, you know, if, if you're not going to run someone who's relatively moderate, I don't know who, who that would be, you know, Governor Polis or some, someone out there in Colorado, but if you can run someone from the left, I think Newsom might be the best, the best political horse they have. Very interesting what he did, you know, to attach himself to the most successful governor and get people talking about him. But I always thought conventional wisdom would be secure your liberal base and then work on whatever converted conservatives you can have. Why start by going after people that will never vote for him? Well, this is just, I think, a way of converting liberals, to, of, of getting liberals to, you know, to say, I, I'm in the fight. You know, I'm, I'm taking it directly to these guys. I'm taking it to this, this uh, arch-villain Ron DeSantis, you know, the, the, the worst Republican in the country besides Donald Trump. And I'm, I'm on Truth Social. I'm on, on their platform making, making our case. So I think it's a way to, to signal uh, combativeness and a, and a willingness to, to fight. Uh, lastly... Donald Trump in the next few weeks is supposed to declare his candidacy. If he does, who gets in to take him on in the primary process? Well, one, I think it would – I don't think it would be a great idea for him to get in early because um, he, he might get in early. I think getting in early now would be a, a sign of weakness or, or you know, a little fearfulness that might be getting away from him a little bit and a sign that he's worried about DeSantis. And if he gets out there and he's not – you know, uh, winning New Hampshire two to one or whatever it is, there is a poll that had uh, DeSantis narrowly ahead in, in New Hampshire uh, a couple weeks ago. That, then, then it's kind of an invitation to people. Okay, he's he's already in. We know what he's got. And if it's if it's uh, not overwhelming, it, the the water's okay, and maybe we can risk doing this. 
Um, but I, I do think it would be a smaller field regardless if Trump is in, and then the, the big decision is going to be DeSantis's. And I've, I've tended to think he wouldn't get in if Trump Trump runs. Now I, I'm, I'm beginning to think he, he's, he's looking you know, fairly determined. I mean, every big Republican donor in the country, it seems, is with DeSantis. He's raised massive amounts of money. So I think he's going to look at it seriously. So that two, two, big, you know, two big decisions will shape the field, whether, whether Trump right. runs, which seems very likely, and whether DeSantis does or not. Yeah, and the one thing the January 6th committee is doing, since it's a one, it's a one uh, you, know, you only got one bullhorn, it's making Trump look more vulnerable. Uh, because some of the things he did were inexcusable, and and they were backed up. Uh, Rich Lowry, thanks so much. Fascinating hey, thanks, time. Brian. Enjoy the rest of the week. You got it. Uh, when we come back, your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We have brought it on ourselves, right? I mean, we can't say, oops, it's the Russians' fault. They shouldn't have invaded us. Or, you know, oops, it's Al-Qaeda. This is us. This is this is 100% us. And it's because we are essentially slaves to a document that was written, you know, more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave-owning men. Right, exactly. I've said this over and over again. This tiny group of white men who formulated the greatest country ever. Way overrated. That's Rosa Brooks, a woman you probably should never have heard of, Georgetown law professor. Uh, So she's saying the problem is we are stuck with this Constitution and this Bill of Rights. Damn it. We are cursed. So that's it. The problem is that bad guys are armed. That's the issue. I wish we could be more like Canada. It worked out so well in Venezuela. And disarming Russia was fantastic. And Australia really had a chance to stand up for himself. And that Second Amendment hasn't really worked out from us. Just kept us free for 250 years. If you drill down on what's wrong right now, I don't think the founding fathers are it. But that's sadly what a lot of other people are saying. You don't listen or watch MSNBC. So I thought we would for you. And now you know why you don't. Please don't. Keep it here. Remember, One Nation coming up Saturday. And on Fox Nation, a great five new episodes of What Made America Great. From the history of automobiles, oil and gas, the history of Hollywood. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, buddy. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669 to be on it. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, especially in the Ukraine. We're about to talk uh, in Ukraine about Ukraine in just a moment. Also at the bottom of the hour, inside the the mind, the twisted mind of so many of these uh, 20-something-year-olds who end up being mass murderers from what happened in Parkland, from what happened in Uvalde, to what happened in Buffalo, and now what happened in uh, over the weekend uh, in uh, Illinois. we got to find a way to stop this. Oh, there's some commonalities between this. I'll offer my opinions, but get the experts to come in, too. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California. 
2024 preview. Gavin Newsom decides if you can't outpoll him, attack him. That explains his decision to attack America's most successful governor, Ron DeSantis, in Florida. The question is, does DeSantis punch back? Number two. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. I'm certainly holding oil companies responsible for their choice not to produce. Biden fights, flails, and fails. As economic stress grows and billionaires take aim, his polls plummet. And for those who think Roe v. Wade would reinvigorate his party, surveys tell a different story. Number one. A family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. It's unbelievable, and he's still got a gun. He passed four background checks. The Highland Park Parade Massacre. Police had the warning signs and reasons to stop him. The gun store owner should never have been allowed to arm him. With dead and wounded everywhere in this upscale town, all they talk about is more gun laws. It's pathetic. It's pure politics. Daniel Billack is uh, somebody who's helping his country fight for its life. He's the former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine and head of Ukraine Invest. Uh, Daniel Billack, uh, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's great to be back. So, so Daniel, first off, we see some territorial gains by the Russians. Are you worried? Well, I mean, territorial gains by Russians is never a good thing. But these were these were tactical retreats. I mean, uh, what, what the Ukrainian army in the Donbass was doing for the last two months was basically holding them off so that they couldn't sweep in, take uh, Luhansk and Donetsk, and then go go south and take the Black Sea uh, oblasts. And and we did that successfully. Uh, they were trying to encircle us and to crush the. Uh, those are our best troops in the Donbas, and to crush them, uh, that didn't work. Uh, we took a, a tactical uh, retreat from uh, Severodonetsk and from uh, Lysychansk, um, and now we're in a new line of fortification. All of this was being done, frankly, to hold off the Russians until we could get the heavy weapons. Start getting the heavy weapons that we need to. Uh, to, to start pushing them back. And we've seen counteroffensives. Everybody's focused on the Donbass, but we've seen some, uh, some, some real headway in the counteroffensive down in the south, in Kemson and Mykolaiv, which is infinitely more strategically important. Lysychansk, uh, sorry, Luhansk and Donetsk are, are politically important to Putin. They're, they're less militarily important in the big scheme of things if Putin wanted, wants to take Ukraine. Uh, but control of the Black Sea, control of Kherson and Nikolaev is, is absolutely critical. And they've had to move. He focused virtually his entire army on uh, on uh, uh, Luhansk. It's as if the United States uh, was at war with Mexico and focus, focused its entire army on Guadalajara. Here is uh, what they're saying. Uh, the Russians said their objective remains taking Kiev. Uh, they spot some setbacks early on. The Russians feel as though they they can still do it. Michael Weiss of New Lines Magazine sees what you see and sees gains in Kyrgyzstan, one of the first areas to fall to Russian forces. Cut twenty eight. 
The Ukrainian counteroffensive, uh, limited though it has been in Kherson, this was the first population center the Russians took in late February and early March. Uh, we've seen reports now that the Ukrainians feel the wind at their back. Uh, Ukrainian military officials saying they're within sniper range of Russian troops in Kherson. That that is an unprecedented development in the last several months. Already, we have seen Jonathan the uh, devastating effect that the Ukrainians have made of Western-supplied uh, long-range artillery systems, including the HIMARS. I've seen video footage of these. Things striking deep within Russian occupied territory in Donetsk. Uh, Russian soldiers on social media platforms such as Telegram have been complaining that now they're facing a NATO standardized military, something they hadn't seen before going back eight years of war against the Ukrainians. So, this m- missile system has finally arrived. Can you describe it? Uh, well, <laughs> I think I think your man on the uh, on the you just quoted was doing a pretty good job. Um, uh, it, I mean, they're they're basically very high precision artillery uh, that uh, that that's long range, and that's what we've been lacking. So we can strike what the Ukrainians did successfully in Kiev, and really we cut off their supply lines. Uh, we bombed their uh, their uh, their fuel uh, uh, tankers. We we took out their their munitions uh, dumps. Uh, supplies. We we cut off their food, and and that's what they're starting to do uh, in Kherson and Nikolaev. Russian troops are still in their winter gear in Nikolaev, if you can believe that. It's 33 degrees down there. Uh, that's about nine, almost almost 90 degrees uh, uh, Fahrenheit. Um, so yeah, I mean we're starting to get the stuff. We have some of the high Mars. Uh, we're, we've got the howitzers, the 155 millimeter. More, we still need way more. We need tanks, which are on the on the uh, on the ask list. Um, you know, as 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 the U.S., uh, especially the U.S., the NATO countries gain confidence in how Ukrainians are prosecuting this war and how they're using the equipment, how effectively they're using this equipment. I think we're going to see a lot more coming a lot sooner. I suspect that we'll probably see scale and capacity by the end of the summer. The stuff doesn't happen right away. Uh, first of all, our guys had to be trained on this uh, on this stuff, um, something that takes the U.S. Uh, Army soldier three or four months of training had to do in two weeks. But um, our guys learn fast. Uh, they're highly motivated. And, um, you know, we got that the kit that we've got so far uh, went out into the field. And, and it's been used to devastating effect. And, and it will continue to be. For we need you, planes. You, uh, you, yeah. need, uh, you need planes. Number one, are, there, are the planes coming? Number two, is there a plan to get that wheat out of Odessa and into through the Black Sea into its destination? Yeah, that's that's a question for Mr. Putin. Uh, you know, it's it's all in his hands uh, whether he uh, he agrees to it or not. Turkey's but, dealing with him right now. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about. He wants to to you know, he says in exchange for uh, taking the sanctions off, I'll feed 400 million people. Um, you know, he weaponizes food, he weaponizes energy, he weaponizes everything. There are no rules for him. And, and this is just the thing that people need to understand. You're not dealing with an international actor. You're not dealing with a, 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 a country. You're dealing basically with state terrorist organizations. You know, they, they, you know, we have been very careful, obviously, because we're shooting in our, in our own territory, into occupied territory that, that where Ukrainians live. But you know, even the hits that we've made inside Russia have not been targeting at all civilian populations. 
Russia just bombs everything. It bombs schools, it bombs cultural centers, it bombs apartment buildings, it bombs hospitals, it bombs prenatal uh, uh, institutions. And it's basically trying to sow terror in, in, among people to, to get, get, get them to capitulate. And, and this is how Russians have always fought wars. And this is what makes it so dangerous. He will just continue to double down. They're used to suffering. Uh, they used to, that's almost their way of life. Uh, and their leader evidently was nodding off at a meeting yesterday, at a public meeting. We know how he's been shaking in the past. What do you hear about Vladimir Putin's health? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that I think that there's a much bigger problem than, than Putin's health. It's it's the health of Russia. I mean, you know, Russia has never given its own people, let alone the, the people it's tried to colonize, anything but destruction, decay, despair, and death. You mean they've they've reduced Lysychansk and Severodonetsk and, and other and other smaller towns into absolute rubble. So it's just completely uninhabitable. And they're not going to rebuild these places. They did nothing with occupied uh, Luhansk and Donetsk uh, in the last eight years. They just want the territory. And, you know, this infantile imperialism that, 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 that they have is actually a direct threat to the United States. And it's a direct threat to peace in Europe. And a direct threat to peace in Europe is always a direct threat to the United States. And, you know, uh, this is why I, I really, really hope that the American people stay stay with us. I mean, Ronald Reagan understood this. His, the Reagan doctrine, as it was, was to arm Moscow's enemies. He did this successfully in Afghanistan and Angola. And it's working in Ukraine. We, we, you see the results. Brian, we are completely rearming our military. We are running out of ammunition and equip of Soviet era ammunition and equipment. And it's all being replaced in real time by NATO compliant uh, uh, equipment and, and NATO equipment. And, and this is this is transformative. I mean, we are going to have the most powerful army in Europe at the end of this. And, and we need to defeat this enemy together. Ronald Reagan called uh, Russia the evil empire. Um, I mean, that that would make Putin the Antichrist right now. And, you know, he, he thinks he's at war with America. And, you know, he's made no secret and his people have made no secret that if he wins in Ukraine, he's coming after Baltics, after uh, after Poland. He considers himself the reincarnation right. of Peter, Peter the Great, Peter the First. Daniel, I know, and but I think I think he's pretty it's pretty clear that. He's has his handful. That's why I think that we have NATO has yeah. to escort those ships out with your wheat in it and say that this is a humanitarian mission. Africa is starving. The rest of the the rest of the world's food chain has to continue. Uh, it goes all the way over to Brazil. So we have to escort them out. Is there any sentiment that NATO would do that? Well, you're you're 100 percent right, Brian. And so far, uh, we haven't seen that. Um, you could do it even with, uh, with NATO countries in the Black Sea, like Turkey, uh, Bulgaria, and Romania, uh, escorting the ships out. Uh, I don't know what the, what the state of play is uh, uh, on this, um, but, but, you know, I, I would like to see more resolve on, uh, on the part of NATO in, in doing this. I mean, we're going to have a massive humanitarian crisis. Uh, Russian, Russian orchestrated, and, uh, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Um, you know, we, you know, the, the U.S. needs to needs to show. I think the Biden administration needs to show a little more um, uh, toughness. Yes. These nuclear threats and things like that. 
I mean, U.S. has always defended its interests in Cuba and Berlin in the face of these, uh, the, the, these kinds of threats. Putin fears the United States. You guys have the upper hand. And, you know, if he feels emboldened, he's going to keep going. He'll, he'll even tell you, look, at you know, the treaty uh, where uh, we ceded Alaska, that was a bad deal for us. Uh, we want it back. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not inconceivable with this guy. I hear you. Uh, and because he doesn't care about his people, he'll take uh, all this carnage. Uh, Daniel uh, Bilek, thanks so much. Best of luck. Uh, the Prime Minister of Ukraine, you are uh, actually an investment advisor to the Prime Minister of Ukraine and head of Ukraine Invest. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks. Thanks very much. You got it. one 408 7669 And I promise I'll get to your calls. Or if you want to write me, you're at work. At school, com. Just click on comments, and this way it'll go to my email. I'll be able to get through it right after this. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. There are and always have been a lot of different factors that global petroleum markets, one of which, uh, obviously, is the fact that a major oil-producing country launched uh, a war of aggression and destabilized uh, so much of the world economy when they did. Uh, but half of the so price, well, 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 wait, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. The second half that. of that increase started prior to the first Russian soldiers arriving near Ukraine. You can't blame it all on the Ukraine, right? What about the other half? Well, that yeah, was, what about the other half? No, that's, that, uh, that's that, a pretty that, important that. half. Uh, that is the Secretary of Transportation, clueless to the fact that he's clueless. And he just keeps on pumping out this rhetoric as if he does. I clearly doesn't watch our channel. Oil and gas companies have tweeted back, talked back, tried to give him a 10 point plan. All things let them know that things they were doing help add to this oil and gas crisis that we're witnessing across the world, around the country. Uh, and, and he's not doing anything. Here's the other thing. It was not even brought up. Right now, Europe is being slowly being taken off uh, Russian natural gas, uh, willingly and unwillingly, quicker than they thought. They wanted to. So they have to scramble to get natural gas. Guess who has natural gas? Us, fracking. We could provide it. It's an emergency situation. You talk about a Defense Production Act. How about that? How about clearing the way, expediting these environmental challenges to allow us to frack at a dizzying rate for our allies, and that gives them cover. And Europe now looks at natural gas as burning clean, green. That, to me, is a great combination. Emergency, he just told us that we're in global peril, a time of war, global peril, enough to frack safely for profit for our allies who can now count on us while constructing LNG plants to allow this to happen expeditiously because Canada is doing it. Why not us? Why not us? Why can't we go ahead and do it? Now, I want to talk about that, that shooter, if we can. I'm going to talk to Tom Kirsting about it. But here's what we know about the shooter, the, this killer. He pre-planned the attack, number one. Number two, dressed like a woman to get out. Unbelievable. Number three, also a big cross-dresser. We've seen some other stuff online. Uh, number three, he pre-planned this whole thing and loved Lee Harvey Oswald, which explains why he left the gun behind. Ultimately led to Oswald, ultimately led to him. For some reason, on his escape, he goes into Wisconsin and then comes all the way back to a mile from his house and was arrested. After the shooting where he he kills seven and wounds dozens, including children, 
He goes and tells his mom, oh, no, I, was, he, I wasn't hurt in the shooting. Can I borrow your car? And does. Other thing I don't believe is that his uncle, who he was living with, said that he was not a danger, no signs of this. Really? In 2019, cops were called to his place twice. Why? Because he was going to commit suicide. Number two, the second time, months later, he said he was going to kill his whole family. Really? Well, what could he have done to get that? No guns. How about knives? Seven, eight knives, including a hatchet. Do you believe this? A hatchet. They take all of it. His dad gets it back. He applies for a gun. Why, if he was involved in, involved in two potentially violent incidents where cops were called to the house, even if they don't file charges, was that not listed on his background check? And then the gun owner decides, this is what I'm going to do. I don't feel, feel comfortable selling you this gun. I need some answers on these two incidents. And if the dad goes to sign off, the dad is now culpable for anything illegal activity that the son did. Like a loan that has to be paid back if you're a co-signer by you? That's what has to happen. Hey, Dad, you've been such a terrible dad, obviously, to this son of yours. Probably to your other kids, too. If you sign off on this and he becomes a killer, you go to jail, too. Oh, you want to rethink it? I thought so. When we come back, Dr. Tom Kirsting, he's a psychotherapist and is the author of Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. And more. He works in schools. He knows the answers. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. And no, no uh, mental problems or psychological problems in the. Not, not that I know of, no. He's a real quiet kid. He keeps everything to himself and he doesn't express himself out. So he just like sits down on his computer, and there's there's no there's no like, interaction between me and him. Paul Cremo, the uncle of the killer, you're seeing him try to explain that there were no warning signs with this kid. There's nobody who looks at this track record or heard those cops speak yesterday about his background and looks at him and thinks there's no warning signs with this kid. Especially my next guest. He is uh, Dr. Tom Kirsting, psychotherapist and author of Disconnected, How to Protect Your Kids from Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. Dr. Kirsting, do you agree with the uncle? No signs? Uh, absolutely not. You could just look at the guy and see something, something was wrong with him. But I did some research, Brian, on the story and go back to April of 2019, and the police were called to Cremo's house because he was threatening to kill himself, and I think they confiscated something like 16 knives. And then in uh, a few months after that, police were called again because he threatened to kill his family. So those are those are obviously mental health warning signs. And then leading up, you know, to the vicious, you know, uh, you know, massacre, you know, there was a track record of him posting things online. As usual, uh, not only were they things, it was a school shooting music video, and there's a picture of him with Lee Harvey Oswald in the background, stick figures of shooting and blood coming out of. Uh, two two different fingers uh, figures, and I'm sure there's a ton of other things online that were immediately scrubbed. Here's more from the uncle. Cut three. There's been no warning signs, as I saw. As I I saw him yesterday evening, and when I went home, I said hi to him, and then when I came back downstairs, I said bye. He said bye, and that was it. That was nor- that was normal standards of all time. I, mean, I see no nothing that would trigger him after doing this. The question is, 
no signs of him doing things. Let's look back. In 2019, called to his house twice. In 2020, he showed up at a synagogue. And evidently, they knew he didn't belong there. It was Passover. They walked up to him, did this one uh, rabbi, and say, I got an armed guard here. What are you doing here? And he left. That seemed to be another sign that this guy is a danger. And I'm surprised the rabbi didn't call the authorities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is the problem here, Brian, because I've been, you know, on your show and other shows talking about all these things. You know, when you look at, you know, take a look at social media, for example. Okay, so, you know, if you post something on social media that they deem inappropriate, it's you're immediately alerted, you're kicked off of social media. But, you know, what about when people are posting, you know, violent things like, like this killer did, even of a beheading and so forth? I think social media needs to have some sort of accountability where if they see something, if there's some sort of a red alert, that they need to, you know, take action, whether it's alerting the local authorities and so forth. Uh, they need to do something that's going to prevent, you know, these kinds of incidences from happening. But I, I don't see that happening. Well, how about this? I mean, in the background check, because the parents did not want to press charges, even though they called authorities, somebody in his family called authorities because they felt threatened, that should be on your background. And, and, uh-huh. and that should be on the background check, just because there's no indictment or arrest. There was an incident that got law enforcement to the house, and he was the reason. A hundred percent. They should, you know, yeah, they, there was no arrest, right? Uh, even when they, you know, when he threatened to kill himself a couple months before that, you know, there's nothing legal there. But there's got to be some sort of a, of a track plan here, some sort of, something to look at. Um, you know, to keep an eye on individuals like this, especially given what's happening in our society nowadays. You know, yeah, the, the parents didn't press charges, but he threatened to kill everybody. You know, they there needs to be, you know, there had to be, they should have done some, some you know, some further form of mental health intervention. Apparently there was something done. But, you know, you look at what's going on in our society. Many years ago, you know, people that were really mentally disturbed, they were sort of institutionalized beyond their will. All that went away and we got them all on our streets now. Um, and that's that's what's going on. That's part of the problem here, Brian. Well, I mean, uh, the family says we're all mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers. It's a terrible tragedy for many families, the victims, the, uh, the parade goers, the community and our own. Our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to everybody. I'm not sure if they're lawyered up. They should be. But my goodness, for this guy's father to go out and make sh- and sign off on him getting a gun, he passed four background checks. His dad also went out the day they took all his knives away when they came to the house, got all the knives back. That's if you I hate to do it, crime and punishment. But if you're going to sign for him to go get a gun, if you're going to bring the knives back into the house, if you're not going to press charges, you have to be somewhat complicit in his follow up actions. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I know. I mean, the father signed off. But again, you know, they were they had the authorities had to know about what had happened in the past. And for him to have you know been given approval to legally obtain a firearm is ridiculous. And they need to do something about that. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I think the other thing, Brian, that we don't hear too many people talking about is, you know, when you look in just in our society nowadays, you know, I, I call social media the tailpipe of the mainstream media. So every single thing is now captured on camera, on every street from everybody's phone and so forth. So people, especially, you know, a guy like this as, as a teenager, was probably just exposed 24 hours a day to violent, bad stuff on his computer. And that desensitizes people's minds starting at a young age. And they don't understand, you know, the human value of life itself. So, you know, we need to, something's got to be done out there with social media and just the ability to access, you know, violence, 
terrible content because it, it, that's how the mind works. The more you're exposed to something, you become desensitized to it. And all I right. think that's part of, largely part of the reason why we're seeing all this. What about marijuana that now is suddenly made acceptable? They talk about how more powerful it is than the time that you used to get it illegally, maybe in the 80s and 90s. Know about that. And number two, what about this whole explosion of uh, with attention deficit disorder, Ritalin? Uh, what about any type of antidepressants that might have been out there coming off the pandemic? Do you feel as though our kids are getting overprescribed? Well, let me tell you something, Brian. I'm glad you brought that up because at my private practice over here in New Jersey, I've been doing this stuff for 22 years, dealing with teenagers, and pot has always been an equation. What I've seen just in the last year, and many people don't even know what this is, it's called cannabis-induced psychosis. And what it is is, people, is individuals smoking marijuana that's 95% THC, where it used to be like 3 to 4% THC back in the early 90s, and it's causing legitimate schizophrenic-like symptoms, delusions, hallucinations, and so forth. So that, no question about it, you know, this is penetrating our society and kids, and it's a large part of the mental health component. Now, attention deficit disorder, I talk about this in my book, Brian. It's what we refer to as acquired ADHD, and it's from spending eight or nine hours a day on a screen and the stimulation that does to the brain, and it changes brain neural pathway, causing symptoms of ADHD, even though the person doesn't actually have ADHD, but they go get go to a doctor and are diagnosed with ADHD and are now given medication. So all of this stuff is definitely contributing to it. I think the pharmaceutical industry... You know, it's very powerful and wants everybody on some kind of a medication. And, um, you know, the question is, what did we do, you know, prior to all this back in the early 1900s? How did people deal with life? They dealt with it. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be some of the things you deal with, because I never thought like if a kid was depressed, if a kid was down, had a lot of friends, few friends. I never remember kids getting diagnosed with, I don't know, lithium, Prozac or anything like that. And now we have mm-hmm. Ritalin, uh, attention deficit disorder, and then we we'll have this. This is where fentanyl comes in. A lot of kids would want to concentrate, want to go have a marathon study session. So they'll say, hey, take, you know, take a Ritalin. It helps me study. It helps me focus. And they do it just not to get high or hang out with their friends, actually to do better on a test. And now they're being yep. sprinkled with, with, with fentanyl. And then who knows with the ones that are not with fentanyl, how many say, wow, I did so good on that test, I got to take it all the time now. Yeah, and it's main, you know, it's really Adderall. That's the main one. You know, kids in college are using it that, you know, not yeah. for prescription reasons, just to stay focused and, and do better on tests. And it, the fentanyl, that's a whole other issue, Brian. I've seen that. I mean, not right here in my office, but people I know who have friends and stuff whose sons and daughters have died from fentanyl overdoses from doing, you know, in one case, marijuana, <laughs> where, where it was sprinkled with fentanyl. And, you know, usually it's cocaine or heroin or something. And these people don't know, you know, have no idea. Mm-hmm. They think they're doing a couple lines of cocaine, and now they've got, you know, enough fentanyl to kill, like, a thousand people. Study aside, Dr. Tom Kirsting, with your personal experience, is this a proliferation of pot a good thing? I'm, I'm, I'm completely against it, uh, completely against it, you know, the legalization of it and everything. And the reason why I am is because I see the impact that it has on young kids. And when something gets legalized, like marijuana, you know, young kids that are 15, 14, 16 years old, you know, the mindset out there, Brian, I see this on a daily basis is, yeah, you know, pot's innocuous. It's not really that bad for you. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to be on the street with a can trying to get money from people. So kids now, you know, literally believe that it's, that it's, that it's harmless. And it, it's probably the biggest catalyst behind all of the anxiety disorders, depression symptoms, and everything that I'm dealing with on a daily basis with teenagers at my office. And how much, was, how much harder is it now after the pandemic when they were pretty much shut down or shut in? 
Yeah, that, that's just been that, that's like the icing on the cake. I mean, you know, kids, you know, with the pandemic, all these teenagers, even adults, you know, they've just been removed from society, locked away by themselves in their in their bedrooms, not able to socialize, not able to participate in sports. And they, they've gotten caught in their own heads. They've lost, you know, the, the skills of socialization and emotional connection with others is something that needs to be utilized on a daily basis. And when it's not utilized and you're isolated by yourself and then you have to return out to the, out to the real world, you no longer have those skills. And what happens now is your brain now, now sends stress signals in the form of anxiety. And now you have avoidant behavior, kids you know, remaining in their rooms, getting depressed, and this never-ending cycle of anxiety and depression. And, um, you know, we got, we, we got to push forward with this. And I tell right. parents, you know, if, if your kid's trying to resist, just you got to get them to the door of the school each day, one day at a time, and they'll get through it. He's not your patient, but evidently he was a patient of somebody's. Number two is he obviously does not look well. Uh, his actions show he's a bloodthirsty murderer, uh, and it looks like for the first time. But from what you can tell, are there a lot of people out there like him? Because we see Uvalde similar. We see Buffalo similar. We see Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook similar. We see Parkland similar. Young men. Somehow, maybe this is going to link the same with the psychotropic drugs because they're depressed or ADHD, whatever it is. And next thing you know, they're, they're mask murderers. Yeah, you know what? I, I have my next book coming out next February that, I, that I've written, comes out, it's being released. It's called Raising Healthy Teenagers. And I have a section in that book uh, that I refer to as the Lost Boys, which are these young 18 to 23-year-old young men that are completely lost with no direction, dropping out of college. They feel worthless. They can't. They, they don't have jobs. Uh, and, and the common denominator in most cases is that they sit, sit around, they smoke marijuana all day long, and they play video games from the bedroom of their parents' home. Um, so it, this is certainly, you know, it's not the norm, but it's, you know, substantially, you know, mm-hmm. much greater than it was in previous generations. We didn't really have these, this level of problem. So, you know, I would imagine that this kid, you know, fit that profile, you know, plus, you know, other, you know, more, more severe mental health underlying issues. And, you know, that, 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 that it's like every one of these shooters that you just mentioned. Yeah, there's this common denominator. I really I truly believe that. And in terms of a type of parent, I mean, the father to get him guns, the father to get his knives back shows you he ran for mayor, understood. Uh, now we understand that his wife was a handful, according to some coaches she had to deal with. She got into it with one of the heads of our program. That was a after school touch football program. It seemed like the kids were a nuisance to her. Uh, that is the mother of the shooter observed by the coach of the killer. They say the same thing with the dad, that they were always late to pick up. He was the last one behind. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, what took place within that household, but, you know, it sounds based on what you're telling me, maybe there's some entitlement there. You know, on the parents' part, that got passed down to their kid. My kid can do no wrong. You know what I mean? And then, you know, a lot of parents nowadays – you know, that you you want to have a great loving relationship with your kid, but but a lot of parents are are are, are what I've seen are, are scared to discipline their kids. You know, they don't want to hurt their kids' feelings. So you know, the dad, you know, taking back the knives after the, after his son tried you know threatened to kill himself, and then you know signing off for him to get a gun. That that to me is a parent you know a parent pleaser. You know, instead of being a parent and authoritative role model and and calling the shots. You know, perhaps they just you know, gave the, gave their son everything, whatever he wanted, and he ruled the roost. And now we have, you know, we have this disaster that took place. Right. Uh, this neck tattoo guy who worshipped Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, way to go. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Tom Chris, right. last question for you. I know they say there's money for social services to go to schools 
to stop the next would-be shooter theoretically. He used to work in a school system. Is money mm-hmm. an issue to get other people like you maybe on staff? Well, you know what? After I know, I know after the pandemic, they released a lot of money in that, in that bailout plan that it's going to schools. So what I have seen in my area, at least, is that there there are more, re- I guess it depends where you live, but there are more resources now for schools. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure it needs to really be taking place at the school level. I think it needs to be take, taking place outside of the school, you know, in, in actual mental health facilities and care and treatment and, uh, you know, outside of the school system. I think really, you know, we need more resources in that arena. Yeah. And we need, you know, we need policies that are going to, when you have somebody that seems very deranged, you know they they need to be you know put away for a while until they, until they're stabilized. And if they're not stabilized, you know maybe they need to stay in some facility longer because we need to protect the innocent people like the people that were at the parade. I hear you. Thanks so much, Dr. Tom Kirsting, psychotherapist, author of Disconnected: How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of the Device Dependency. Thanks, uh, Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Brian. Right, well. You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll come back with you in just a moment. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's see how many phone calls we can get in just fresh off. Let's go out to Adam. Listen on WABC. Hey, Adam. Hey, Brian. Um, Totally agree with you. Mental health uh, issues are very important and need to be addressed in a much more strict way. Uh, But I will say that, you know, the one common thread between all these mass shootings uh, are always, always um, assault weapons. And assault weapons were banned for a while, and there were no um, mass shootings of this type. And uh, as long as someone has access to, a, you know, to be able to shoot off 20, 30 rounds in a couple of seconds. I think, uh, Adam, I, I think the, the assault weapons are the, are the wrong path to go on out of everything there. I wish nobody was killed, period. But the guy's got four separate guns. The last one was something similar to an AR-15. I'm not sure what exactly it was. But, I mean, the damn, this guy was going to be on the top of the roof shooting people anyway. That's the problem. I mean, he wanted to be Lee Harvey Oswald, and he actually was. He even left the gun behind. I think that right now you have to look at the fact that parents got to be more responsible. But I want this, Adam. I, I want when this guy walks in to get a gun, I want him to see if you're not going to file charges, I want them to see the incident reports. And I'm going to just say there's I want the local precinct, big and small cities and towns, to be contacted. Hey, Billy Jones just came in here. I'm going over his 10-day background check. What happened on these incidents? And then the cop could say, listen, I need to speak to this guy. I didn't think he was right. I saw him with his neck tattoo and his face tattoo. He looked like he was living in an attic. I never thought his parents would be in candy with me. I don't think you should sell him the gun. Then we would start personalizing the computerized background check. But the incident's got to be written up on that. John, K-L-I-N. John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I'm just going to say it. Politicians are going to do nothing. They're not going to ban guns. And the mental health issue, well, the negotiations are going nowhere between both parties. And if it is a mental health issue for this shooter, I'm curious, are they going to put him in prison still or are they going to put him in the psych ward? I, I, assume, I assume he's going to get life in prison. 
Uh, I, you know, but you never know. Hinckley got out, right? So uh, he tried to kill one person, happened to be the president of the United States. But I assume he's going to get life in prison. I think the least intriguing thing about how he's going to be charged, I think we're done with him. The more intriguing thing is what was he on? Why wasn't he stopped? And how do we stop the next one? And taking everybody's guns away, I think, is just pure politics. You may disagree, and that's great. BrianKillMe.com. You can write me in the break. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. You know the phone number to call to be uh, on the show, 1-866-408-7669. We're watching a few stories. Also, this just crossed. Pat Cipollone, it seems like he will testify now in front of the January 6th committee. So it will be on Friday. He says he's got a bunch of subpoenas, so he'll go ahead and do it. Uh, so that is a, not a great precedent. Imagine your attorney, if you're president of the United States, you have to sit there and throw things out to them. You're not an attorney like the president wasn't. Donald Trump wasn't. You throw things out. Now they're going to ask you, did Donald Trump want to do this? Did Donald Trump want to do that? Did you have to talk him out of it? There's a reason why I think it's just a very bad idea. And it's a very bad idea. Let's see if it explodes in their face. Cassidy Hutchinson, they thought was a home run. In many cases, it went well. In other cases, she's very vulnerable because a lot of the stuff she said was hearsay which makes one wonder why there wasn't any cross-examination once again. That's a conversation that the committee does not want to hear. So let, and before we get to Liz Peak, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Freedom is under attack in your state. Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California. Liz, uh, that's unbelievable. Ask Liz Peak about this. 2024 preview, Gavin Newsom against uh, Governor DeSantis. He takes aim, even though his state is struggling in many ways, as is he, at the most popular, successful governor in the country, arguably, Ron DeSantis. Should DeSantis hit back? We'll talk about it. Number two. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. I'm certainly holding oil companies responsible for their choice not to produce. Biden fights, flails, and fails. As economic stress grows and billionaires take aim, his polls plummet. Now, for those who think Roe v. Wade will reinvigorate the Dems, survey tells a different story. Number one. A family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. Yeah, besides that, I don't see any red flags. Not kidding. Highland Park Parade Massacre. Police had the wrong, uh, had the bad warning signs and reasons to stop him. The gun store owner should never have been allowed to arm him. With dead and wounded everywhere in this upscale town, all they want to talk about is... More gun laws. That's pathetic and is pure politics. Joining us now is Liz Peake, Fox News contributor, columnist for foxnews.com. First off, Liz, your reaction to some of the reaction from the vice president of the United States to the governor calling for more gun laws. Well, 
I mean, honestly, all the laws that we needed to stop this young man were We're in place, right? I mean, uh, what is the red flag law supposed to mean if it doesn't mean the police come to your home, they find an array of weapons, they take them out, they hear, I think they knew that this kid had made threats to people, uh, this comment about uh, about killing everybody. They knew it. They should have known. They should have investigated his social media accounts, which were full of hate and anger. I, it's it's impossible for me to imagine uh, how more how how greater a, a, an individual could signal the intent to do people harm. I mean, uh, it, that's what these laws were written for. If we're not going to enforce them, then what's the point of having them? I know. I mean, to me, if you pull daggers out of somebody's house, if he's going to be a danger himself twice in 2019, kill himself, and he was a danger to others, even if the family changed their story, if you write up the incident report, it goes on the background check, yeah. the gun store down the block doesn't sell it, and what's even better... I hope it would trigger the local police precinct to say, excuse me, uh, I would like to know why you were trying to buy a gun. Are you a hunter? Or why is Lee Harvey Oswald in your bedroom? So, And and just some of the things that, I mean, basic police work. And I don't think you need the vice president of the United States meandering about an assault weapon charge because this guy (laughs) got other weapons. This is four background checks he got. It is impossible to take Kamala Harris seriously Ever. on any issue. Um, she doesn't normally make any sense, but on this issue in particular, I really don't think she knows what she's talking about. Look, I, I, we have the laws in place that would have stopped this young man. And by the way, some of the other uh, men who have committed these heinous crimes. I mean, it is time to get serious about watching and, forgive me, profiling young men who are clearly troubled, who are isolated, and who are talking, you know, audibly talking about hurting people. Let's get alert people to the dangers that are posed by these people. These are not uh, these are not times in which you can ignore such signals, and these were very, very loud signals. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really sort of disgusted with the entire response to this, which, as usual, focuses on the weapon and not the individual. We have to start looking at these individuals and looking for these individuals online and elsewhere. I mean, if, if our media companies, social media companies, are supposed to spot domestic terrorists, i.e. parents trying to you know, talk at their at their uh, PTA meetings. Can't they possibly look out for young men with these troubling profiles? I I don't understand why that isn't a bigger conversation. I hear you, but Rosa Brooks is a Georgetown law professor on MSNBC. She blames our Constitution. Cut twelve. We cannot break out of the you know the bondage that we have imposed on ourselves from feeling like we we have to everything by our Supreme Court is decided in reference to this ancient document, which is just not serving us well. It is, it is, it is causing enormous problems and enormous tragedies at this point. Right. First, let's get rid of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and let's just wing it. Yeah. Well, they don't like the Constitution. They don't like freedoms. They don't like the fact that we can express ourselves openly and honestly, uh, unlike most countries in the world. So I, I don't have any patience for that whatsoever. The Constitution, I'll tell you what, has held up better than any document over time and has ensured the prosperity and the freedom and the opportunity in this country. So please ignore that woman. All right. So a couple of things. Liz, you wrote a column for FoxNews.com. Biden's presidency looks out of control and could get worse. The next day, today, the CNN politics comes out with a, uh, a 
a column that makes you seem uh, as if you're a fan. That's how negative the CNN column is. Talks about how they're not prepared for anything from the variants that came down the pike from the baby formula that should have been under discernible to the lack of uh, to not knowing what the Supreme Court was going to do ahead of time. Just constantly flailing and with the Biden administration taking aim at mid-level managers, people who are powerless to set policy but are great to take aim at, which is causing a mass exit from the White House. They are a mess. They, it, it, Brian, why would it be otherwise? These are incompetent people, forgive me, led by a man of very middling intelligence, and that's being kind, in my view. Uh, Joe Biden has never been viewed as a brain trust. As age has taken him all over, uh, he has become, I think, less capable, and he has surrounded himself by people of mediocre quality. Uh, I, you know, I did a piece a few weeks ago about the cabinet. The cabinet is atrocious. Most of these people are not doing their job. Pete, let's talk about Pete Buttigieg, who has, to, <laughs> who has been basically AWOL every time there's a crisis on his watch. Remember the port drama where there are all these uh, ships off the port of Los Angeles, and people didn't even know he was on parental leave. I mean, that's how impactful this guy has been. Now, because we're every, everyone is talking about the price of gasoline, what is his response? His response is to come out and defame oil companies and saying the only people co- happy right now are oil company executives. What a wretched person this is. And by the way, underqualified for this position. Uh, it isn't a position that normally attracts perhaps the best and the brightest, but this is not the best and the brightest, and he's doing a terrible job. But, uh, but honestly, you can go through them one by one. It's an incredible uh, clown car. Here it is, uh, Pete Buttigieg saying roughly what you were saying, Cut 15. The one group of people that we see who are actually happy about what's happening with gas prices are oil company executives and owners. Uh, We've seen them out there saying, you know, they're not going to increase production. And uh, why would they when they're this profitable? And he goes on. And, and, you know, Neil Cavuto did challenge him on that. But he just he did not meet with them. They have a 10 point plan to work with the administration Instead, the administration, the president of the United States goes meets with wind executives instead of oil executives. Oh, Who's going to help them more? They were both in the White House at the same – both in Washington at the same time. It, it's so petty and, and so small. But Joe Biden is so petty and so small. Uh, but he also doesn't understand the oil business. I don't think most Democrats do. They think you plug an electric car into the wall and somehow it magically starts to move. I don't know if you saw a clip a couple of weeks ago where they were hailing the, uh, I think, that the uh, some new electric car that was coming off the ramp or whatever. They plugged it in and someone said there, uh, well, where's the power come from? And literally someone on the site said, well, it comes from electricity. They said, no, but where's the electricity coming from? 95% coal Brian, <laughs> yeah. you know, that sort of stopped their environmental celebration in its tracks. Look, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, to me, it is uh, it's not head-scratching. It is astonishing that this administration that is being eaten alive by $5 uh, a gallon gasoline prices refuses to pivot and, moreover, continues to embrace policies like this new 
uh, threatened ozone regulation in the Permian Basin, where 43 percent of our oil comes from, that might shut down production. I mean, this is not a joke. They are actually talking about imposing greater regulations on our oil industry rather than less. They refuse, as you point out, to meet and talk about the measures that could encourage production. Instead, they really want the financial sector basically to stop lending to oil and gas producers. Do they even... Are are the branches of government even talking to each other about what might actually help Americans right now? There's no indication of that at all. I, you know, I still don't know what's going on with the infrastructure bill. Is anything being spent? Yeah, what is in, how is inflation affecting it? They talked about, uh, I guess, forgiving some portion of student loans. There's been such a debate. The same debate's been going on for over a year. Either make the decision or make the decision not to do it. You, there's no there's no valor in waiting a year to make a decision. It makes people think that you're not listening. Well, the other thing to keep in mind, too, they got the gun deal done in spite of him because he came out and said right away the NRA is, has got the Republicans hostage. Excuse me? Are you trying yeah. to poison the well before you even dig the well? And this was the guy who was supposed to be able to work across the aisle, right? They were He was going to bring the country together. I honestly believe, and, and this includes President Trump, I honestly believe this is the most divisive president we've ever had uh, in this country. Everything he says is pointed, political, uh, nasty attacks on Republicans, nasty attacks on the Supreme Court. I, I, I uh, Why would anyone work with him? During that gun control uh, legislation discussion, uh, I think it's true that he never reached out to the Republican side of that negotiation at all. Uh, and to your point, it, it's pretty clear that he works against compromise instead of for compromise. So what's happened, very little on his watch has gotten through, thank heavens, because most of the policies are pretty terrible. But but it's the attitude of this man who thinks he had a mandate when he has no mandate. There's no advantage in Congress. Very, very slim margin, which he's about to lose, thank heavens. I, I don't know where, uh, you know, where he thinks his power should be coming from because he doesn't have any. You know, the worst thing is they ever did was have those historians come meet with him in the yeah. Oval Office. <laughs> And they talk to him about, he goes, how do I become a historic figure like FDR? And he did not have the margins in the Senate. He had the majority in the Senate and the House. He did not have the margins. And since he got 82 million votes, he thought he got a mandate. But he had almost no momentum to the point where he said, I'm not even going to sign the bipartisan deal on infrastructure because I'm going to do it with Build Back Better. When it fell on its face, he has never recovered. But the thing that kills us most is Afghanistan. The way he embarrassed our country is so unforgivable to so many that people just say no longer is he under – is it a mystery? He is totally incompetent. Here's well, that began the downward slide in his approval ratings, and rightly so, uh, because apparently it was his decisions, no one else's, that decided we would take us out of Afghanistan with so little planning, so little regard for uh, our troops and for the people that were at risk. Uh, look, I, again, I just think he's not a capable person. Un- unfortunately, to your point, it isn't just Republicans who are thinking that now. Everybody is thinking that, including Democrats. So 
you know, this is not good news. I, I love seeing Joe Biden in hot water because he deserves to be there. He deserves to boil. But the truth is our country is adrift and there is no leadership. There's no good policy coming down. Uh, and, that you know, this is a scary world in which not to have strong leadership. If the United States doesn't lead, there is no leadership. Uh, I think Pompeo has said that a couple of times, and I think he's totally right. With And, and look at what's happening in Ukraine, with the war in Ukraine. I mean, where is the leadership there? We have constantly, in my view, dragged our feet. We've been slow to get weapons in place, slow to basically confront Vladimir Putin. Biden is afraid of Putin, and Putin knows it. So the entire West now, all the European countries are looking into a deep recession because of, guess what, energy prices and the hold that Russia has on Western Europe. Did they not see this coming? Is there not a – even Macron, which is, who is just now nationalizing France's uh, uh, energy com- uh, biggest utility, is, is, uh, was trying to get Biden on board with increasing U.S. domestic, domestic production. But he won't budge. It's, I, it's I, a nut. It's it, nuts. it really makes my head explode. Yeah, and we could be actually making money on natural gas, getting yeah. it to getting it to the EU. Emergency situation. That's where you use the Defense Production Act. That's where That's you do true. it. Uh, 10% of the country think we're heading in the right direction. 36% approval rating. That's according to Monmouth, which is normally Democratic-friendly. Uh, so, And right now, the number one issue in this country, overwhelmingly, inflation by 33%. Say it's the number one problem. Uh, and guess what? Liz? Biden has become a historic president. <laughs> in the wrong way. These are historically terrible numbers. Yeah. Liz Peake, thanks so much. We'll read your columns and watch you all over the channel. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. We'll take your calls next. Bottom of the hour, Douglas McKinnon. What the founding fathers have to do with this and the lessons we should be learning. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You gotta lie. Yeah. <laughs> you got to lie every day if you want to keep working. Every day I have to say, like, oh, nice to meet you. The guy I identify as a wolf. And I, <laughs> I, I my moon rising, and I go, yeah, me too. <laughs> I say, oh, man, can I have babies? You're like, duh. <laughs> duh. You lie so you can work. So what is that from? That was from Gutfeld last night. That was uh, Jeff Dye talking about working in woke Hollywood. You have to lie if you want to work. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are like I've talked to a few people trying to staff movies or talking about how things are out of control, and they can't even staff movies. They can't get a key grip, can't get a camera person because they got to be Puerto Rican, they got to be Asian, they got to be transsexual, they got to be gay, they have to be tall, they got to be too many men, and you can't even get the best person anymore. It is the furthest thing from meritocracy. Well, right, because if you want to be considered for different awards, right, you have to be X amount diverse. Which is nuts. I mean, I would just say, give me Tom Cruise. Uh, give me that type of success uh, with Top Gun and then leave me out of all the awards. I would just say, give up on the award shows. Well, I mean, is that also why half the award, like movies that get awards, we've never heard of before? Right. Except for The Pianist. Isn't that, wasn't that one? <laughs> the Pianist. Right. Um, that, that was a long time ago, though, before right. the uh, diversity I stuff. I never saw it. I, saw, I was young. I thought it was weird. but I was... Well, The Departed? I never saw that. Oh, that was good. It was sad. Oh.
the talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We have brought it on ourselves, right? I mean, we can't say, oops, it's the Russians' fault. They shouldn't have invaded us or, you know, oops, it's Al-Qaeda. This is us. This is this is 100% us, and it's because we are essentially slaves to a document that was written, you know, more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave-owning men. They sound horrible. Who are these men? Oh, our founding fathers. I'm sorry. Rosa, Par- Rosa Brooks, a little upset as a Georgetown law professor with these white men who made our country that she's allowed to say things like that in. Those are part of the reasons why Douglas McKinnon has made it his mission to make sure the founding fathers keep their reputation in place. I can't believe that has to happen in the U.S. His latest book, The 56, Liberty Lessons from the, Those Who Risked It All to Sign the Declaration of Independence. Douglas McKinnon, as a former White House and Pentagon official and best-selling author, can you believe you need to write this book? Uh, Brian, it's amazing. And, and the fact is I didn't even think about writing it until July 4th of last year. When I took a tour of some of the more liberal news sites out there and saw guest after guest from the far left calling from the, for, the, for the cancellation of not only the 4th of July, but the founding fathers and the American flag. And then, as you and I know, just the last few days, you know, there were Democrats in Arizona, California, all around the country calling for the boycott of the 4th of July or saying creating even more vile names for the 4th of July. And this is not going to stop unless we stand up against it. You have to, because guess who's happy about this? Uh, China, Russia, all our enemies go, look, America's coming apart from within. They couldn't beat us uh, head to head, but we could take ourselves apart. And that's what's happening. How are you pushing back against it? So what happened with this book, Brian, the 56, so the catalyst of the book was the cancellation of the 4th of July. But the message ultimately of the book, which is something you talk about all the time, and thank you for that, is that 24-7, 365, our American rights and our liberties are being taken away from us. And it's up to us. Again, in, in a way, what I talk about in the book, too, is no one's going to ride over the horizon and save us. Ultimately, it's up to us to save ourselves up to us it's to be like you know teddy roosevelt's famous man in the arena speech of 1910 where the the credit belongs to the person on the floor of the arena fighting the good fight getting bloodied getting knocked down but getting up time and again to fight for his and her rights and as americans who believe in this country who believe in the founding fathers who believe in the rule of law we have to step up for our own rights so when you talk about these 56 men, who should, what should we know about them? Tremendous courage. They were signing their death warrant had they been captured, had we lost. And there was no reason to think real, realistically if we would do an analysis back then that we would win. Brian, exactly. And almost nobody really knows this subject better than you. And thank you for your, all the great work you've done on this. But it, you're exactly right. And forget if we had lost. As you know, too, even after they signed their death warrant by signing the Declaration of Independence, a number of them were arrested, had their homes burned to the ground, had their livestock slaughtered, had their wives arrested, their wives in prison, their sons got shot. These These acts of courage and these amazing men that had the vision and the genius to create the greatest nation on the face of the earth are the people that the far left want to cancel. Yeah, and if you see what's happening in Philadelphia, I think about the shooting. Other people think about the founding. 
uh, that took place over the weekend where you see this Declaration of Independence get written and they run outside, they make the announcement and they read it out loud to the masses. And then it gets sent all around that we've uh, fighting for our independence and here we go. Uh, sign your name and let's get started. And it was a series of losses after Bunker Hill that put us on, put, put basically put this whole idea on a respirator. But yet people look at this and say, white men who believed slavery was okay uh, put together this document, which is now outdated. Your reaction? Well, Brian, again, and that's ultimately one of the most ridiculous takes they can have on this, because what they're doing, as you know and you've talked about, is they're looking at 1776 through the through the very clouded and liberal prism of 2022. And they're looking back 250 years almost in trying to decide what was in the hearts, minds, and souls of these men who were trying to free themselves from tyranny, free themselves from the boot of the crown, and they're trying to smear their names, smear their reputations, have them banned from American society because they don't happen to fit the far-left liberal narrative of today. So talk about the woke culture that concerns you most. Well, again, it's one of these things, too, where what I talk about in the book is over the course of, and this is one of the things that 56 would say, unless and until they imprison us, unless and until they take our lives, they cannot take our voices, Brian. They cannot silence us. And again, over the course of the last 50 or 60 years, the left has gained a majority control over what I call the five major megaphones of the nation, that being the media, entertainment, academia, and of late, as we've seen, science and medicine. And as you know, they get more accomplished via omission than anything else. If they don't write about it, if they don't talk about it, it didn't happen. And guess what? One of the things they never talk about, never teach in our American schools anymore, is our proud American history and the proud, courageous actions of these 56 men. I just wonder how many people even know when you send people out in the street to talk about who even the vice president is or who our founding fathers were. They, people have trouble naming two, but we could start reclaiming that by putting that back in the curriculum and maybe choosing the schools your kids go to. So when, when people say America was uh, fueled by slavery and it exists because we stole the land, how do you put that in today's, uh, how do you put that in, in today's normal culture? Well, again, it's one of those things, if the far left wants to address it, if, if, they, if they want to talk about that, and they conveniently leave out a lot of things, right? And one of the things they conveniently leave out is, let's say, the People's Republic of China, right, Brian? And the People's Republic of China, which is paying off so many liberal organizations and supporting so many big tech organizations, if you want to criticize slavery and oppression, then why don't you look at today's examples from the People's Republic of China? But they, they don't want to do that, Brian. It's much better to go back 250 years and smear the founding fathers than to address the current problems of not only slavery, but, but internment camps that are existing today. So when you look at the, the July 4th and when Orlando got the blowback it got for saying, even though we don't want to celebrate it, but basically we bought the party hats, so let's do it anyway. The fact that they got blowback for doing that, the fact that thousands still showed up in New York City for the Macy's Day Parade, even though 50 were shot over the weekend, uh, 51 were shot and, and two dozen were killed, does that show you that the foundation is still there? It does, Brian. And again, I think you and I would agree that probably at least 80 percent of the American people think the same way that you and I do in the sense that you want rule of law. Right. You, you, you believe in, in, in our history. You want to protect our sovereign borders. OK. And, and but the problem is because of the woke cancel culture, more and more Americans 
are afraid to speak up because they do not want to have the far left come after them and take their jobs. And that's what I said. I talked about it in the book, too. The, the 56 and the founding fathers, as you know, also left us the blueprint on how to save ourselves. And, and the easiest way to do that is to start a word of mouth campaign. We can talk to each other in our churches, at work, at schools, at the supermarket, at the bowling alley, and start talking about how great our country is, what's good about our country. The far left never wants to talk about what's good about our country. And yet tens of millions of people around the world still want to come to the United States of America. Here's more from Rosa Brooks on the Constitution, cut 12. We cannot break out of the, you know, the bondage that we have imposed on ourselves from feeling like we, we have to. Everything by our Supreme Court is decided in reference to this ancient document, which is just not serving us well. It is, it is, it is causing enormous problems and enormous tragedies at this point. Is that really, it's a, it's a lead weight on our future, this archaic document? Well, again, they would be much better served looking at, at the, the inner city crime that's taking place all over the United States. Just this past weekend, almost 40 people shot in Chicago. Why don't they start addressing the real issues, the real problems? Because working class Americans are getting crushed right now today by liberal policies. Again, but it's much easier for them to ignore all the liberal policies that are crushing working class and poor Americans and to go back 250 years to attack our founding documents, which were the greatest documents drafted in the history of our world. All right. Thanks so much. Hey, pick up his book, uh, the, the 56 Liberty Lessons from Those Who Risked It All to Sign the Declaration of Independence. Douglas McKinnon, thanks so much. Brian, it's been an honor. Thank you very much. All right. Go get him. Uh, meanwhile, we come back. I'm going to find out if there's more to know. My answer is yes. And also squeezing some calls. one 408 Also, let me remind you, Fox Nation, five new brand new episodes. What made America great? I've had 41 leading in. We got five, five more coming out. So you got oil, history of Hollywood, history of uh, automobiles, and uh, history of law enforcement. Don't miss any of them. I think you'll like all of them. Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why is there a voicemail of the president talking to his son about his overseas business dealings if the president has said he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings? Well, first I'll say that uh, what the president said stands. So if he if that's what the president said, that, he, that is what stands. And second, secondly, New York Times article but secondly, concerning Hunter secondly, Biden's business dealings, and he says, I think you're clear. How is that not him talking to his son about his overseas business dealings? We're not from this podium. I am not going to talk about alleged materials from the laptop. So I will. I am not. Voice on the voicemail? I am not going to talk about alleged materials on the laptop. Are it's you not happening. Then that it is not. Peter, I refer you to uh, to his son's representative. Until they can get closer to the president, he might be able to deflect a little while longer. That is the press secretary not answering Peter Ducey's questions about the president's voicemail in 2018 to Hunter Biden about him being in the clear with this Chinese deal, CEFC, this Chinese energy company deal. One guy's involved, Devin uh, Archer's in jail. That was That's uh, Hunter Biden's partner. The other person has disappeared. Uh, and we know that a lot of money was made. Where the hell is that money? 
The other story that we have is more on the shooter in uh, Highland Park. It turns out he went, oh, and I didn't talk enough about this, after he did the shooting, dressed like a woman, escaped from there. You see pictures of him. Uh, they're all out and about now. And he escapes, leaves his gun behind. I imagine, just my opinion, Lee Harvey Oswald left his gun behind. I imagine it's the same thing. He worshipped the guy. Why would you worship Lee Harvey Oswald? Uh, I, I, I can't get my head around that. Right there would be a red flag. And then he drove to Madison, Wisconsin, in his dad, mom's car, and then drove back. So he had a rifle, another car. I don't really know enough about these guns to know what it is, uh, but some type of Celtic rifle. So he goes there to Madison, saw a parade, but didn't do anything, thankfully, because he said he didn't have a plan. The other one he was planned for. He decides to drive all the way back, at which time they see the car. They're looking for him. They got him and grabbed him a mile from his house. He had, in 2021, he uh, bought... Four weapons in 2020. In 2021, he brought a Glock on his 21st birthday. So for those people who say, well, if, there's no, uh, if there was no assault weapon, there wouldn't be any shooting. Have you met this guy? Have you seen what he's been doing? I don't think he'd care what he had. Whole, you know, probably a little less damage is done, but I think you're missing the issue, personally. So we'll talk about that. And uh, meanwhile, let's go to Chris, WRCN on Long Island. Hey, Chris. Brian, how's it going, man? You and I spent the fourth together. I watched about four of your episodes on what made America great, and I uh, appreciate everything you do. Well, I appreciate that. So, no what... doubt. Hey, so I've been calling this morning. I, I'm just racking my brain about how to, you know, uh, put a uh, some sort of stop or, or slow down on, on this issue with – you know, mass shootings and all I keep hearing, and it's been since like the Gabby Petito thing in Bayport Blue Point, is parents and family members know about these things. And it's so hard, I could imagine, as a parent, I am a parent of two children. If you have a child that has indications of being, you know, mentally sick, how do we get these parents to act hard? Like, is there any repercussions for some of these people? Like, I don't want there to be, but is there aiding and abetting here by just being ignorant and ignoring? Well, it sounds you know, like, Chris, really I understand on. if you're sincerely a parent and this one kid is giving you nonstop problems, you put them into therapy and you, you deal with them as best you can. And you try to keep hands on them. But they get loose and they do some horrific robberies, assault, mass shootings. I get it. I think that's different than what I'm seeing here. This is a parents that were totally detached. These are parents that sat there after calling the cops, went and got the knives back. He went and signed off on this guy buying guns. If you know your son or daughter, son, is, let's be honest, it's not women. Uh, your son is unbalanced. You go and sign off on a gun for him? Go get put, bring knives back in the house? At that point, I think that you've got to have a— uh, an accomplice charge to the parents because they, they actually unleash these kids on us that they can't control and say, well, what do you want me to do? He's 22. What you want to do is 22. Number one, don't arm him. That'll help. Number two, you have formed the local precinct that he's pretty much out of control and you really don't know what he's capable of, but don't pretend like he's not. The uncle comes out and says, his comments are ridiculous. He never, we never had an idea that he this commit this type of crime. Listen to the uncle. Cut to. There's been no warning signs, as I saw. As I, I saw him yesterday evening, and when I went home, I said hi to him. 
And then when I came back downstairs, I said bye, he said bye, and that was it. That was, nor that was normal standards of all time. And he, I see no, nothing that would trigger him after doing this. Yeah, besides the hatchet in the house, I really don't see a problem uh, with it. So no one believes that at all. So thanks so much for the call. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. All right, let's start. And let's start at the beginning. Brett Favre made it clear that he might want to go into broadcasting. He told this to DMZ. I guess my country accent cuts me out. The all shucks mentality. No, I, I'm good. I've made great money. I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, if someone offered me a job to, to do Monday night or Thursday night football or and it would, would be a great deal, I would consider it. But it's not on my bucket list of things to do. Uh, another quarterback named Tom Brady got a $375 million deal on that. Next, a vacation fail. One in five people always realize they forgot to pack something when they arrived on vacation. That's a survey of 2,000 adults. Uh, the poll shows the top items Americans accidentally leave at home are phones, 31%, which is I don't see possible. Water bottles or drinks, 28%. And deodorant, 25%. Sunscreen, 21%. Only 20% of respondents thinks they could manage without their phone. 19% would go back for what they forgot if they were on the street next over. Only 15% said they would. They were, they're a few streets away. 14% they will never go back for something they forgot. Phones you have to go back for. Next, more than half American parents believe their kids aren't spending enough time playing outside. No kidding. Parents in Alaska, Arizona, Missouri are telling their kids to play outside most at an average of six times per week. The top reasons parents tell their children to go play outside include fresh air, 51 percent, digital devices. No kidding. 47 percent. Get some exercise. You're fat. Uh, the states where the kids get outside the most, as I mentioned, are there. The ones that get out the least are kind of interesting and they are not listed. But 35 percent of parents also encourage their children to play outside in order to positively impact their mental health. Brian, to be fair, it just says for exercise. It doesn't say because the kids are fat. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, either they're way too pale or they need some exercise. you got to force your kids to go outside. But the other thing is you scared the hell out of them because everyone thinks they're going to get kidnapped. Well, that's true, too. Um, but I yeah, just generally go outside for exercise tonight because like, you need to lose a few pounds, little Johnny. Right. I mean, you never tell the kid he's getting fat. No. You just but, stop feeding them. Right. You <laughs> stop feeding them and make them run around. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, again, to my other story, if you're not great in sports by ninth grade, they basically encourage you to drop out, which is wrong. What about people that just want to go out and exercise, have a recreational sport? There's got to be a, a venue for that. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.